Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 124. Uh, Evan, like he said last week, is in Florida for the week down with uh, his brother, staying with family, playing golf, enjoying the weather down there. Uh, I'm sure he's been having a good time. Uh, He will be giving me his picks later on, so everybody can have those on the Twitter. I'll post those there, or he can post them himself. Uh, But it is not just me alone today. Filling in for him is my brother Zach. Zach is back. He is co-hosting today's episode. Um, Coming back now. Uh, How you doing, Zach? It's been a while. Good. It has been a while. I am on spring break right now from Coolidge, Mm -hmm. so enjoying my time here and i got to see one of the games this week so yeah slowly getting back in the swing of things yeah the cristiano ronaldo effect that was a good game to watch Uh, we haven't had you on here since week 22 predictions that was when you were last on here so it's about eight weeks ago um we wanted to get you back on here just to get more of your picks because you got a pretty positive record um uh since we're on records evan with another historic week went 11 and 3 um i'm the opposite i went four and ten so pretty much every week if you guys just take evan's picks and fade me you're gonna make money um that's just easy but evan in the last three weeks has a record of 27 and 7 which is absolutely insane um he is on one right now i'm sure it'll continue but it seems like march is his is his month pretty much um but yeah there's gonna be three of us giving back picks um we have a lot to cover today 14 games spanning from the thursday games from march 10th all the way to yesterday's games uh the 14th we're recording this on the tuesday after the man city palace draw um so yeah i guess let's just get into it because it's kind of going to be a little bit longer of an episode uh 14 games to cover only seven games to predict but those games are pretty some pretty important games uh, to predict, but going all the way back to the Thursday games, I guess let's start off. Norwich one, Chelsea three. Um, went how we all thought it would go. Uh, a Chelsea win, um, but the the matter of the game was pretty close to be honest. Um, a very hot start, Chaloba third minute, and then Mount in the fourteenth. Two nice goals from them. Uh, kind of got the feeling that it was just going to be a runaway there. Uh, beat three four now at the half, but. The second half came around, and there was a 15-minute span there where Norwich got into the game. Um, Chaloba, specifically, and a couple other Chelsea players were having some defensive errors. Uh, there was a potential penalty. Uh, that's a different game. I'm thinking of the Newcastle game there, but Chaloba in the two games that we're going to re- review here, pretty poor from him at times. Um, eventually, Puki equalizes, or not equalizes, he gets one back, and um, Havertz in the 90th seals the deal there. A nice ball work from N'Golo off the bench. So overall, it was a nice win. Um, we obviously covered last week with and the week before with the situation with the ownership and Abramovich and all that, uh, and where the club's at right now. Uh, our sponsor in the front, the three, uh, is not a sponsor of the club anymore. So we don't have any resources to get new kits without them. So it's kind of we're in a weird state with that. But uh, the good thing is the players are still showing up and uh, performing, and we're still getting wins. So um, there's rumors that potentially we may not even finish the season um, due to finances with the UK government now in charge of the club, and we have a special license to operate, um, and they're kind of restricting us on what we can and can't do uh, when it comes to traveling, and we cannot sell any more tickets 
uh, to fans. Only season ticket holders will be at games now, so um, it's going to be pretty light in the stadium. And now I think they've the the club has come out and made a request to play the Middlesbrough FA Cup game coming up um, behind closed doors. So um, what's your take? I haven't heard this from you, Zach. What's your whole take on the Chelsea situation um, with the information that you've had or from you, what you've heard from all over the place? I haven't been keeping up with it too much. This is pretty much the first time I'm hearing a lot of this. Um, I think from a player point of view, they're going to play their game and do their best to finish the season. I, I would assume Chelsea's going to finish top four and players won't let this affect them. I'm looking at the outcome of it uh, in the future once they get things settled. I'm just glad they're moving on from the three sponsor because looks-wise, I was not a fan of it on the kit. I'm looking forward to a new sponsor. Yeah. Uh, That's my brief take on it. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to have trouble when it comes to Champions League with traveling right. away. They're, they're limiting us to a certain amount of money we can spend on traveling so um, players might have to dig into their own pockets to travel to matches Um, when it comes to traveling in the Premier League we may not be able to have flights we may have to fly or I should say private flights they might have to to fly commercial or take a bus so it's going to really affect it's not really it's absolutely going to affect how the club operates and Every day the club's trying to work with the government to loosen things up because at the end of the day, it's not their fault that the owner had ties to what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia. But um, there's always there's rumors recently now there's a Saudi media company that made a $3.5 million bid for the club. Um, so potentially Chelsea's joining Man City and Newcastle to the Saudi money, um, which isn't surprising. Those, those guys are always trying to come in on the, the Premier League. Um, after seeing what Man City's been able to do in the past decade with their ownership. So it'll be interesting. It's definitely going to affect the rest of the season when it comes to players potentially not getting paid and staff. And um, it affects our transfer business. I'm sure you haven't heard, but um, we're not able to sign new players. We're not able to sell players. We're not able to renegotiate people's contracts. So all the guys that are in their last year, their deal... Um, are going to walk for free. So that includes uh, Azpilicueta, Christensen, and Rudiger. So we will be losing a lot of defenders. Um, Tuchel's really upset with the Rudiger one. I am too. So it's going to be really interesting to see the next coming, or really the next couple months, because once the transfer window comes, if we're still like this, we're going to suffer massively. Um, yeah, it's, it's really about finding the people that are going to get you through the other side of the tunnel because it's going to affect we, we just get, we just got to get a new owner in the, like the, gov- yeah. the government has to hyper this work we have to hyper warp this stuff to get a new owner in because uh, until we can start paying people and that it's going it's not going to change so as long as the performances are still on the field um, that's all that matters right now really but yeah um norwich pretty much relegated um, last I'll say about that, but uh, we move yep. on to the next game on that Thursday. Newcastle 2, Southampton 1. Chris Wood and Bruno Guimaraes, both new signings from January, both score their first goals for the club, uh, whereas Southampton uh, actually took the lead in this game, Stuart Armstrong in the 25th. Um, Southampton dominate possession chances, um, but Newcastle with that counter-attack style, uh, and really they dominated set pieces here. Um, uh, I mean, that both their goals came from set pieces and, and crosses. Chris Wood, conventional header for him. 
um, corner kick for Gomez's goal. It seems like Newcastle have a set play where uh, they whip a ball into the back post. Dan Burton peels off, heads it back into the middle, and somebody just pokes it in, and that's exactly what happened here. Uh, but but Guemarez back heels it into the goal um, to give the winner to Newcastle. But yeah, Southampton man recently. Um, I don't know what the hell's going on with them. Their last three, three straight defeats, um, and the prior to that, it was they were in flying form. They were five games unbeaten, three wins and two draws. I mean, they're they're on the wishy washy train, man. They're they're sitting in tenth right now, um, in the middle of a big mess where they could drop a couple spots in the league because there's the the middle of the table is so contested from ninth to about fifteenth. You could say uh, six point gap. So. Um, their form's really down bad, and the, and they're losing games where these are teams they should be beating or at least getting points against. I mean, Newcastle, Watford, um, before that, um, Aston Villa. I mean, these are games that are right around their level where they should be at least getting draws. Um, what's your whole take on the, the change in Newcastle for you? Because... Um, before the the Chelsea matchup, we'll get to. Um, they've been undefeated in the year of twenty twenty two. What? How do you think the turnaround's been for them? I've been excited for Newcastle since they had the uh, new ownership. I want to see them come back to be a a top club or at least a, a fearsome club in the Premier League. I love seeing Newcastle at the top. Um, now, once again, from the look standpoint, you got the classic black and white stripes. I mean, they're a classic. Premier League club. I like the attitude of the fan base. You know, they got a great history. I just, I've been excited since they had that new ownership and the transfers are doing them well. It seems they're in a good direction. It's it's good to see them making progress. Yeah, and I mean, they, they have like a bare bones work of the future team. I mean, Trippier's out. Um, St. Max isn't still at full fitness. We, we forget Callum Wilson um, is hurt. So, I mean, there's a lot of positions that once those guys come back, these guys are pretty menacing. And, I mean, come the summertime, they're going to make at least one or two more signings, big signings, to um, just take them to that next level. I'm sure they're going to get another winger uh, and probably another center back, really. So, I mean, their their future looks very bright. Um, Southampton, though, I mean, it's just it just comes down to converting your chances. There's just It's just unfortunate for them, really, because in this game and then the... The following game against Watford, they had plenty of chances to take the lead or equalize. So um, just poor, poor from them, really. Uh, and like you said, Newcastle looks very good. Uh, we move on to the a, a thumping from the Thursday games here. Wolves 4, Watford 0. Um, right off the jump, Jimenez with a goal. Well-worked assist, Juan Hee Chan. Uh, own goal of Kuka Hernandez, Daniel Podence in the 21st. I mean, if you're giving up three goals in the first 20 minutes of a match, it's just you're you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, and yeah, obviously from there, Watford had a few chances to get one back, but um, I think morale was already down and they already saw it to be over. And then to put the icing on the cake, uh, Ruben Neves, 85th minute, dinks the ball over Ben Foster, top of the 18. Uh, probably the best chip this year that I've seen. It was incredible. Um, it just really set the mark that uh, Watford, if you give up four goals in a game, it's awful. But if you give four goals up to Wolves, who are one of the worst 
scoring sides in the league. That is just a statement there. Um, they have the fewest goals scored in the top 12 in the league with 29. Um, the closest to them is, is uh, what is that, is, is Southampton, who have seven more goals than them. So, I mean, if you're giving up four goals to Wolves, that's just awful. And it really just sets the mark that Watford are just still very bad defensively, uh, even after making a bunch of January signings, primarily in the defense. It's just not meant to be. Um, what do you think about uh, Roy Hodgson coming out of retirement uh, to come back and manage at the age of 72? Because a lot of people say like this is him, like he's a guy that saves clubs from relegation. Do you believe that, or do you think he's just too old to get the guys going? I mean, this result will kickstart it. That's the, the momentum you want when you come into a club, a nice big home victory. Um, when I think of club-saving managers, I mean, Sam Allardyce comes to mind. That guy was absolutely nuts coming into relegation-bound teams and saving them. Um, the Wolves are definitely capable of staying up. They have the talent on the field Watford uh, oh Watford <laughs> we know we know Wolves well, is safe Wolves is gonna Wolves is fighting for a, I don't know why your, I was thinking well, yeah Wolves, Wolves is fighting um, they'll definitely step in my opinion yeah. Watford on the other hand yeah. um, you know they need like I said with the momentum that applies to, to both teams you need a big result like this like a big home victory to build the support from the fans and build that morale with the team. So I think they're going to need some sort of big result coming up. I'm pulling up their fixtures here. They got Liverpool coming up away, so that's definitely not going to help. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, the best thing they can do there is fight for a point. But following that, they got Leeds and Brentford at home. I think they could string one win between those two games. Yeah, they're in a they're in a position where it, one point's not going to help. They need three points. They need to start right. winning games and. They only have six on the year. They've they've had 19 defeats, which is second most behind Norwich, who have given 20 defeats. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is a result Wolves have needed because um, two in a row now for them, um, if we include the one we're going to get to later. But before this, they were on a three-game losing streak, um, and they only, scored, they only scored one goal in those three defeats. So they've had a real problem defensively. Um, which is their 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 best quality about them, and it's why they're in the position they are now in seventh. They've only given up twenty three goals, which is uh, the fourth fourth least amount of goals behind the top three clubs um, in City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. So um, much needed win for them. You see the quality they have on the counter attack and how well they spread the field with those wing backs getting up. It seems like all the top teams are playing with wing backs. So. Um, that just shows you where the game has evolved into, what the game has evolved into. But yeah, um, Wadford Port, you can't even register a shot on target, so you're never going to have a chance. Uh, we move on to the last Thursday game from March 10th. Unfortunate for our American compat- compatriot in Jesse Marsh. 3 0 defeat to Aston Villa with Stevie G's men. Goals coming from Philip Coutinho, Matty Cash, and Callum Chambers. And I watched the highlights before we started recording, and Callum Chambers probably scored the second-best goal of the week behind that uh, Ruben Neves chip that we just talked about the previous game. Um, a goal I've never seen. I never thought I would see from Callum Chambers. Um, but here we are. Um, before we get into the game, Zach, what do you think about the 
the appointment of Jesse Marsh as an American and from the games, the highlights, I guess you've seen from their first three games here, um, how much of an impact have you seen him make and from Bielsa? Uh, I haven't been keeping up too much, uh, in that regard, but I can talk from a pers- managerial perspective, sort of, um, just coming in as a new manager, especially, um, an American manager, they don't have the best, best track record in Premier League. You had Bob Bradley, I believe was the previous one with Swansea and that didn't get well. Yep. So it's really about applying your style to a team and having them follow suit and following Bielsa, who, from my understanding, had a nice grip of that club and a very strong style that the players uh, adhered to. So if those players are conditioned to following a strict style manager, I think Marsh can come in there and sort of lay the law. I mean, I don't know. It's just about applying a a style. That's what I always relate it to because I think about Manchester United with... Solskjaer, and I don't really think he had a sort of style. He just kind of let the players do what they did best and hoped it worked out. So I think it's they, about bringing the team together. Yeah, I think they still have the same problem from last year under Bielsa. I mean, defensively, they leak so many damn goals, and we know yeah. they, they've they've had injury problems this year, especially. But they were really he, a counterattacking team. Yeah, yeah, they they were open, run and gun. Like we'll score more than you. That's fine. Then that that's who they are. But now with Marsh, it's more of a zonal type thing. Where before it was the man marking, and I mean that they, they just haven't improved their defense. I said this last year, where at the end of the year I was what they finished ninth. They scored sixty two goals, which is good, but they gave up fifty four. And current time, they've th- they've scored thirty one goals. Huge drop off. They've given up 65 goals. There's nine games left for them to play. They, they could give up over 80 goals, which is like relegation numbers. Um, what they, They've given up two goals more than Norwich at 63. So, I mean, if this continues, they're going to get relegated because we know Burnley have the structure to get out of this. We, know, we would like to think Everton should be able to get out of this, but they potentially have the the um the worst schedule remaining when it comes to teams they play like they're going to play all the top teams so they're in a bad spot but it's crunch time for marsh to really clean up the back line and they need to put one or two chances away i mean um these matches against teams in that similar area of the table they have to win them there's nothing else you can do they have to win they can't play conservative they have to go for it when it comes down to the last minutes they have to win these games um Aston Villa, on the other hand, mid-table team. We know they're going to finish in that mid-table. Um, they're too far behind to catch up to a European spot. They're they're the top team in that mid-table in ninth with 36 points, but there's a nine-point gap between um, eighth and ninth, so they have no no real chance to catch up to that. I think that's for the better. It'll give Steve G another year to solidify him just with the league play alone. Yeah, and this is where we thought, Evan and I thought they were going to finish this year anyway. We thought they were going to finish that ninth to 11th area of the table, which is pretty much where they're going to be if they keep up keep up this type of form. But um, yeah, they're getting big wins here. I mean, uh, 3-0 there, 2-0 the previous week against Brighton, um, 4-0 against Southampton. I mean, they're getting big results. And I think it's all coming from what we told, we said here, 
what he should be doing with Coutinho and playing him as a cam behind the two strikers. He was playing Ramsey in that position, and he's not experienced enough to play that. He was playing Coutinho off to the wing, and now in a more central role, he's the experienced guy there up front, um, working with Ings and Watkins. So, and it, we, he had he had time with Coutinho at Liverpool, correct? Who's that? Gerard. Yeah, they played together. That's, yeah, so that's they the played whole, together. So that's that was, that'll that was make the, it even easier for him to adapt. Yeah, that was the whole tie to him coming to the club. He's not gonna if if Dean Smith was the manager, he's not making that move. Like, there's no way right. Coutinho would come. But since it's Gerard, the relationship that he and Coutinho have is strong. He brings him in here um, after struggling at Barcelona to rejuvenate his career and show that he's still top quality. So they found the right formula um, to work, and they're earning these points where it matters. So huge win for them. Leads. Um, made up for it later on here we'll get to. Um, now we move on from those Thursday games that we're only four games in out of 14. So this is going to be, yeah, we're 20 minutes in. So this is going to be like at least an hour of review. But, hey, that's what happens here with these like double weeks. But we'll try to speed it up as we go. There's, there's games that weren't as entertaining as those. But uh, we move on to the first game on the Saturday. Brighton nil. It's Liverpool 2. Um Brighton at home. We know how they are. They suck at home. It's easy. You could see this coming a mile away. 19th minute, Luis Diaz scores another goal. This guy's on fire right now. He's reignited that attack, giving them more juice that probably most people would say they didn't need, but they're they're cracked out now. Um, he, he lays his body on the line to head the ball in past Robert Sanchez, who potentially should have been given a red card, but he absolutely laid him out. I think if that ball doesn't go go in the net, Sanchez gets the red. But I think due to the goal going in, they didn't want to double down on that um, with Brighton giving them two punches square in the face, a goal, and then a red card to your goalie. I mean, one nil down with 10 men against Liverpool, you're never going to come back there. Um, but they gave him the benefit of the doubt, I guess. And then Mo Salah, 61st minute, gets a penalty. Brighton did have more possession than Liverpool. This is just who they are with Grant Potter. It's just they don't have the quality in the attack. We literally, I don't even have to say it. We say it every week. Um, they just can't put chances away. And that's what happened here. Um, what do you think about Liverpool here, Zach, now that Man City is dropping points every other week and Liverpool are on a eight-game winning streak in the league? Um, do you think Liverpool are going to overtake them soon? I mean, they're in prime position, too. Um, I, I would like to talk a little bit about Luis Diaz and how he perfectly slots into the team. I always, uh, since Klopp joined Liverpool as manager, I've always loved his signings because they do a great job. Him and the scouting team do a great job looking for the perfect fit, fits for the team. And they never uh, overpay, I mean, other than Van Dyke and Alisson, but those were essential roles, in my opinion. Other than them, they usually pay low to mid-range for these players in, in modern money, and they get their most out of them. They they scout specifically for the roles they need, and Diaz in particular is, is doing excellent. So I think he's going to be a key role in propelling them potentially to first. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And these teams, um, speaking of Liverpool and Man City, they still have to play each other, um, I think, next month. That's going to be a great April, game. So, uh, could decide the title there, but... It's, it's a title chase between two teams. Uh, everybody else is out of it. But 
Um, yeah, when it comes to Brighton, they're like Aston Villa there in Southampton, that mid-table area, um, 33 points. Um, I don't know if you've heard our, our episode when we talk about Brighton, but I said this stat. Um, since they've been promoted into the Premier League back in, I think, 2015, they've every single year they've ended on nine wins. They've never been able to crack double digits when it comes to wins. They had six wins, I think, 12 weeks ago. They've only gotten one win since then. Um, they're 7, 12, and 9 right now. They have they have 10 games left to play to win three games. Do you think they could do that? I genuinely think they can't. I'm looking at their fixtures now. They've never, How many wins do they need? They have seven wins currently. To break the, need, to break the curse, they have to win three. three. Do you think okay. they could? Do you see three wins in their table? Well, so, they have Norwich at home and two in uh, yeah, after the international break. That's so, let's let's go. Probably let, let, let's let's quickly. I know this is going to take some time, but I really want to get your take on this. Let's let's go here. We, game by game for them, they play Spurs on Wednesday uh, tomorrow. I'll go rapid. I'll go rapid fire initial response. I'll go Spurs loss, Norwich win, Arsenal whoa, whoa, loss. Slow down, slow down. I'll I'll, I'll ask. You, I'll, okay. I'll say the team and you give me a response. Okay, so Spurs. I'm looking. That's a loss. Okay. You don't even have to say if it's if it's a loss. I'm just saying. Do you think they could win that game? Like a win, like win there. Okay. So no. Spurs no Norwich. Yes. All right. That's one. Um, Arsenal. No. Okay. Spurs again. Maybe a tie the second time, but not a win, no. Okay. Um, I was just making sure there was no double week for them there. Um, Man City. No. Okay. Uh, Southampton. Yes. That's two. Okay. Wolves. No. Okay. Man United. Please, no. Uh, Yes or no? No. Okay. Uh, Leeds. That might be the one. That's three, and then they finish on. Then they finish against West Ham. West Ham. We'll close it out now. Okay, so that's ten. That's ten. I think they can do it. Okay, they they have a pretty tough schedule to to go. That is. Um, They play a lot of those top eight teams. Um, So shit, they might have a harder schedule than Everton. Um, But yeah. So that's what I mean about Brighton. They just can't score. And most of those teams are pretty decent defensively. So, um, If they, Chelsea away was one of those games, they would have one in there. I think, <laughs> I think they did beat Chelsea this year. I just want to quickly double-check this. I'm, like, taking my time here. But uh, la, 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 la. This, I'm, like, looking at their whole schedule here. Like, I'm going to say it. They tied in December. I remember that one. Two ties. Two one-one ties against Chelsea. Um, I mean, that's, that's the type of team they are. They're just kind of like a pest that so you can't get off your shoulder. Uh, okay, we move on. Brighton 2, Burnley 0. The Ivan, t- the Ivan Tony show continues. Two goals here, one of them a penalty in the 94th minute. He has five goals in his last two games. Uh, forget that those games were against Burnley and Norwich. Uh, he, has oh. a, he has 11 goals now in the Premier League. Um, off the, that's right, off there the, with Ronaldo. Off the rip, you're like, holy shit, he's really good. He's having a great year, but um, if he's scoring against, yeah, I have to, I have to go check. I, I know we're like extending things, but I really want to know who's he scored against. All right, he's you got just said Burnley and Norwich. One against Villa, one against Wolves, one against okay. Newcastle, one against Everton, 
one against United, another against Wolves, and then, like we said, three against Norwich and two against Burnley. So he's got one, two, three. He's got three goals against top ten sides. The rest are in the bottom half of the table. Um, and there was a time there where he was out for – he's missed five games this year um, due to injury and it COVID probably. So um, I still think he's a decent player, but um, he's just not consistent. And, I mean, that's the name of the game when it comes to being a striker in any type of top league. But um, he got the job done here against the Burnley team, who I will give a credit to, stuck it out until the very end. Uh, it took a moment of brilliance from Christian Eriksen in the 85th minute, whips in a quality ball to Tooney right in between the two center backs and heads it past Nick Pope, who had a questionable game here, to be honest. He was making some dicey decisions and was fortunate a couple times. But 85th minute for Tooney there, and then a breakaway for... Tooney, ball given in to Erickson, Nathan Collins, the young center back, filling in for Ben Mee with injury, uh, just absolutely smashes Tooney in the back and gives a penalty that is the clearest of day. Um, and he gets a red card. So now Burnley's in a weird state um, for the future games where no Ben Mee, um, no Nate Collins, who was their summer signing. So I'm interested to see who they put back there, if it's Dale Stevens or Kevin Long. I mean, 20 pace max on their future <laughs> cards, but um, going to be interesting with Burnley needing points because they are uh, they are in 19th now after Watford picked up a win with the game we'll get to later. But um, what do you think about Brentford here? Brentford for a while there was on like a nine game streak without earning like a point. Um, do you think they are still in question in the relegation battle? They are they're eight point eight points clear right now. Um, do you think they're safe? Do you think eight points is a good enough gap between those teams? Uh, as long as they can maintain what you said, the uh, consistency, I I agree. I think they got their two toughest matchups coming next. They got Leicester and Chelsea both away. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need do the do their best in those games, and then uh, have a few lower teams to beat up on, like uh, Watford, uh, Southampton, who's slipping. I mean, I, th- I think the magic number this year is like 36, 37 points. Like, if you hit that number, you're safe. Seems like it. At those teams below, I don't think, can string two to three games in a row. Like, Brentford definitely has the ability to uh, to stay. It's 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 16th to 20th now. Brentford, I think, is safe. I think Newcastle is safe. Um, and then, obviously, everybody above them is pretty much safe, and they have games in hand. So, um, it's a mixture of those bottom five in Leeds, Everton, Watford, Burnley, and Norwich. And I think we can all agree Norwich is done. So it's down to four teams, really. Yep. Um, so And Burnley have two games in hand still on those teams around them. Everton have three, but um, they're on a four-game losing streak. Um, Frank Lampard, I think, what is that, in six games, one win, five defeats. Um, so, yeah. I think he's in a similar situation as Marsh um, quickly, but they've taken over squads that have no real identity. They're just like mixed Mm -hmm. in together. They're trying to change things, but, and they've, they've changed formations two to three times and still not getting the job done. So I just think the quality is not there for them. And and it's, it's, I think it's too late. Um, I mean, Everton, I mean, those... Everton have thir- have twelve games left. I mean, they're they're on twenty two points. I think they can muster at least twelve points. 
I mean, in a dire situation, those drastic changes may be what's necessary, but it's very unlikely that they will, if at all, make any change. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we a couple weeks ago, I was saying I was more interested in the relegation battle. That was more interesting. Man City had a 14-point lead on Liverpool, and now they, they're only four ahead with a game. Uh, Liverpool has a game, game in back. hand on them, yep. and they also play each other, so... Um, I mean, the, and we have the top four race, which is also interesting too. So uh, there's a lot going on in the table, which I'm happy about. But yeah, Brentford getting a huge win. Burnley, um, just they, they just couldn't make it the whole 90 without making a mistake. So uh, we move on to probably the most interesting game and the most enjoyable game to watch from the week. Um, yeah, I shouldn't say that. The Leeds-Norwich game was intense to the end too. But um, I think overall this was a, a fight back and forth too. Man United 3 Tottenham two. Um, I guess since this is the main game you watched, um, do you yep. want to break down what happened? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I picked a good one to watch then. Um, yeah. You, uh, clearly, you got Ronaldo's hat trick there, putting him at I believe it was eight hundred and seven all time career goals. Yep. So Ronaldo is one of the all time highest scoring. He is. He is. He is the all time highest goal scorer. Since recorded history yeah. of goal scores, because I, I think Pele has um, like a thousand some, but Pele was I, mentioned. I, I don't. I think like four hundred of them are aren't recognized by FIFA. Right. I think that's in why. terms of FIFA and record keeping, Ronaldo is recognized as the highest scoring player. Uh, that's very fitting. That was only his second hat trick for United, so that was also interesting. Made sure to do it for Sir Alex Ferguson, who was in attendance uh, along with Tom Brady. So. Yeah, two two other goats watching the fellow goat, very fitting. Uh, but overall, I thought United played very solid here. It was a good all round performance. My only downside from the game that I can recall was uh, Nemanja Matic, who had a few bad turnovers. He was holding the ball a bit too long. He looked sluggish out there. Um, and opposite the field of him was Fred, so, who looked the opposite and was very energetic both sides of the field i liked seeing fred this match he got a nice assist on ronaldo's first goal a little heel flick to him yep and he worked well defensively so honestly other than ronaldo i would say fred was uh one of the top players that came for me sancho had a few moments um two players that didn't have their best game and kind of faded a little bit um what are your opinions on rashford and mcguire they've kind of been Shown they're, the they're lights both kind in of, a bit of a slump. I think it's more scary seeing Rashford slump because of the situation with the attack. You clearly have Ronaldo there for the rest of the season, who's going to outshine everyone on the team. You have Sancho, who's in for his first season, so he's got to show up. Um, so you got those two guys out there, and you have Alanga coming off the bench, who's a young guy. You got Fire. Under him, Rashford's young as well, but Alonga's is um, seen seen as the younger guy as eighteen, yep, and a fresh signing. So I think all around Rashford are guys with motivation and higher status. So he's in a bit of an interesting area where he doesn't. I don't think he has as much motivation as those guys to play as well. I mean, it's clearly telling in his performances. So I don't know. It's 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 tough seeing him out there and get getting outshined by their players possibly knowing that that's affecting his his morale and i don't know was there I'm interested to see the future yeah for him and then mcguire same thing 
Um, yeah, Maguire, I guess, same thing. Because Evan, Evan hates him. He thinks he's absolutely pitiful. Yeah, I, I really think he he was overpaid for. I mean, Lester gouged the price for it because it was United paying for him. I think he's second, um, the second most expensive behind Van Dyke, if I'm correct. I think for yeah. Premier League. And I, I think Ndidi was being attempted to sign like a year or two ago, and Lester was like, "We're not selling for less than like over a hundred mil." Right. So they know they know they can price gouge, and that's understandable from from a club like that reacting to big clubs interested in their players. I I don't know. I United's United's defense is, has has consistently been inconsistent. Inconsistent. Yeah. Fifty fifty iffy on who's out there tell us played solid this game yeah do you like him uh, better than shaw because we know ralph isn't a big fan of shaw shaw is more of like a bruiser type fullback i i like when he's going forward i think tell is more of a complete package um he he was whipping in some great balls for ronaldo right. they had some you could tell they had some great chemistry so if you're going to start ronaldo i'd say tell is a is a great start were you ever worried about the game slipping out of your hands or did you know like this was in united's in the bag the whole time by the end of the first half i i had a pretty strong feeling that united would pull it out ronaldo was in great form that game he he had i think eight shots by the end of it he was very involved um and then every every time there was a defensive error they would always respond at the opposite end of the field so yeah it was very back and forth but united always had the leg up they didn't drop the lead the whole game so yeah there is this crazy stat uh man united at old trafford in like 301 games um when they lead at half they uh, they've won the game 270 times they've drawn yeah. it at 30 some and they've never lost no, the it, game they they had that leader mentality about them they were playing like a top team that game and they had confidence i didn't get a feeling of uncertainty from everyone on that field seemed like they were confident in their ability to get the win were you surprised that ronaldo shined this much more with bruno not in the squad yeah that was interesting they played pogba in uh fernandez's role in that sort of attacking mid very offensive uh style he got a shot in there he he was very involved in the attack played very fluid like bruno floating around the entire attacking third um i think it gave ronaldo more time on the ball or more of a he was more of a target up there i think they just they, they fed the ball more to him because yeah. bruno was the creator at times and ronaldo now that seems I think that was he, a very he takes it's ronaldo like centric game. i think it's like in football where um when it comes to receivers, I think the big guys get more receptions than um, the other dudes. So yeah. I think when you take out a top guy like Bruno, um, who probably has about 50 to 60 touches a game, you have to spread those touches around more. And I think Ronaldo, Ronaldo gets more touches because um, the spark that he can have. And we saw in the first goal, he picked up the ball about 25, 30 yards out where you would think Bruno would get it. Um, right. And he unleashed an absolute cannon. So um, Exactly. And you could tell uh how tottenham defensively played that scenario when when ronaldo got the ball you would expect bruno to have it so i would assume conte's instructions were if they have the ball 30 25 yards out be ready for him to distribute because eric dyer gave ronaldo cristiano ronaldo three clean touches on the ball and plenty of time to line up the shot which should never happen 
Yeah, and I guess before I move on, switching over to Tottenham's perspective here, um, they're in a weird situation now where um, they're in eighth. They were like Arsenal. They had plenty of games in hand. Um, and I made the joke last week when we were talking about other teams with games in hand. They, they're not like, hopefully they're not like Tottenham where they waste these games. Um, they still have two games in hand above or on all the teams uh, above them besides Arsenal. Um, so, I mean, they're still in contention to finish in that top four. Um, do you think, because we've, we've seen the, the interviews with Conte and what, and the transfer window with, um, he said like he needs more money and he needs more guys in. Do you think if they don't finish in like a top five that he leaves? Um, I, I think so. If he, I he's talk, a top 10 manager in the world. Yeah. I, I think that might lessen his desire to stay there. Um, this game in particular, though, after that Maguire goal in the 72nd minute, it says, um, they were really trying to get that last point, but they just kind of got they got shafted because United had that X factor and the whole crowd was on their sides. So this game, I think they, they could have, you know, they, they can still put results together. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if they get the depth, they can have more options to spice it up in the, the last 15 minutes or so to to hold that park the bus if you will um but i don't know it's just in in games like this they're they're they've just been getting very unlucky yeah like they they can definitely pull the results out yeah i mean we drag this was just another tough one we we jump on man united a lot they're one of the top teams to just bag on but in the 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 17 their last 17 games in the league they've only lost two um so they're always earning points it just it seems like when they do drop those points it's like like the draw against Watford in particular a couple weeks ago. Like that, those are games where uh, everybody's expecting them to win and they don't, and right. they just slip up. And they're in fifth right now, only behind one point behind Arsenal. But Arsenal have three games in hand on them. So if Arsenal can earn at least five five to six points, um, that's a pretty tall task for United to come back from. So, um, do you think United have a fair shake to finish top four? Definitely. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, obviously, if they keep form up like that, they they will definitely have a great shot at it. But yeah, I would not count them out. Okay, all right. Spend on that one a while because we know Zach's a big Man United fan, um, and it's always nice to just shit on Spurs. So um, <laughs> we move on to the Sunday windows. We, so that's the halfway point. We're forty minutes in. We still have seven games to cover. That's what happens here. Um, Chelsea, we already talked about most of these teams, though, so we can start picking it up now. Yeah, Chelsea won, Newcastle nil. Very, very tight game. Um, Chelsea, 73% possession, but only one nil, and the goal coming in the 89th minute. Uh, Jorginho ball over the top. Havertz, phenomenal first touch. Immediately, second touch poked right by Dubrovka um, in the dying embers of the game, and it, it just sealed the deal, but... There was a moment where, when I was talking about the Norwich-Chelsea game at the top of the show, I mentioned Chaloba having mistakes in that game, and I made a reference to this game, which was um, he, he literally grabbed um, Murphy's shirt down the left side and just shoved him down pretty much, and there was no penalty given, which I was shocked. Um, and would have changed the whole scope of the game, but this game broke Newcastle's uh, unbeaten streak in the year. Um, so they kind of lose that type of pressure on them. But 
still the the fight they put up in this game was nice to see um saint max off the bench added a little bit we had um lukaku and pulisic off the bench what do you uh, let me ask you this what do you, what do you think about lukaku he hasn't gotten a big run into the team he hasn't started in i think about five games um what like obviously we talked about the whole situation with players not being able to leave in the summer so he's pretty much stuck here until the ownership's covered um right. and the form Havertz is in right now is, is great um how do you think Lukaku should be used in this team really well the last game I remember him having a significant impact in that I watched was the the Brighton game at home when he played as the big big bully up top and really just commanding the attacking third I like him as that target man for them and letting guys like Havertz or Werner or Pulisic shine around him and they, that might not be his favorite role right. as you can tell from his demeanor and especially with top strand in the club now he's probably not in the best mindset to, to perform so uh, I don't know it's, it's just about where one where he fits in best for the club isn't necessarily where where he will fit in best for himself so it's it's a duality of determining where he fits best both on a personal and business level for the club like where he would perform best for the team rather than himself yeah i think on the other end defensively we we have five straight wins in the league and four of them are clean sheets so I think the the form and the team overall is in the right the right track. They're on the right track, and I think that's more over more what Tuchel is concerned about is the team and where the team is at rather than an individual. And um, right. we've talked about in the past here with Evan um, and myself about Lukaku and not agreeing with the system and how he's used. And like you mentioned, he he enjoys other ways to play than what tuchel wants him to so i think that's why yeah i don't think he's Havertz best getting in, a, in a tuchel system and that's that's just the way it is yeah we're seeing how how havertz fits in better than him so um still timo is still kind of a joke he still can't get things going for himself so and nobody really even talks about him anymore so people just expect him to flop stuff around which is sad but um i'm sure he'll get going once he leaves the club we all know it's going to come sooner or later he'll leave and he'll start for performing better as the headliner of the team so interesting there we move on to everton nil wolves one connor cody getting his second goal of the year very uncommon for him to score uh two goals in a season um i mean not even mentioning just one the guys i think this is only the second time he's ever scored professionally um which is crazy but he gets the deciding goal um, and just puts Everton down bad even more. They're they're tied on points with Watford, who are in that first relegation spot, but are just above them on goal differential. So that shows the factor in what that's going to take the in the closing weeks of the season. But yeah, I mean, Everton, it just they got the red card in the 78th minute, double yellow for Kenny. So he'll be out the next game, but it just there's something about this team that just doesn't make sense. We've seen them play uh, 4-3-3, which is what Frank is used to. We've seen them play uh, a 3-4-3 with wingbacks. Uh, in this game, particularly, they played Coleman and uh, Malenko out there, the Ukrainian left wingback. Um, DCL's been inconsistent with form. Uh, he was out this game with injury. Um, so Richarlison led the line, which does not work. Um but yeah, I don't know, man. There's just 
this is probably the toughest nut to crack. And we mentioned their schedule. Um, I don't know. Who do you think could be able to step up more? Do you think we should be seeing more of Delhi? Because Frank hasn't given him a start yet in the league. Well, that seems like the answer to me. Is that the one guys thing that have trying? potential that haven't been started should be started? Yes, yeah, I mean, we've it's, seen Von de Beek the last now. three games. He started and they can't get things going. Um, Allen wasn't in this game. Obviously, they go with two midfielders, so he sits the bench. But um, I don't know. It's just this is something I don't have an answer for. And I'm sure Frank would be the first guy to tell you if you had one. Uh, but on the other end, Wolves, another big win. Puts them right there in seventh. Um, two, was that? Five points behind fourth place Arsenal, um, yep. who they lost twice to um, this year. Um, spectacularly, they lost uh, the one game. But yeah, this is just... This Arsenal is, with the three games in hand as well. Yeah, and the uh, Wolves get a conventional 1-0 win. Um I don't know. Whenever I see Everton Wolves on a, on paper, I think it's going to be a close game. And I thought Everton having more on the line and needing it just would want it more. But it seems like it's not their time yet to get that three points. Um, I don't know. I kind of want to do the same thing we did with Brighton with Everton's schedule. Like, um, where do we think we can see them get points? Do you want to try that or you just want to move on? Can do a brief run through. All right. I- they got Newcastle on Thursday. No. Let's just say, do you think, like, can they earn points in that game? No. You, you think Newcastle's going to beat them? Yes. Okay. Um, what is that? West Ham? Nope. Burnley? Draw, possibly. I mean, that is premium relegation six-pointer right there, so they, they have to do something That's there. a must. That's a must win right there. Uh, Man United? No. Okay. Um, Leicester? Mm, no. Okay. Uh, Liverpool? Definitely not at Anfield. No way. Chelsea? No. Okay. Uh, Leicester again? I think they get at least one point over Leicester. Brentford? I think they get a draw between those two fixtures. Brentford? Yeah. I think they get one with and Brentford. And then there. Arsenal? That Arsenal to close it out. Arsenal could be fighting for top four on the last day. Yeah, I, I don't think so with that. It's just so going. They're playing all have very important. I mean, going off of that logic, there, so. going off that logic, they I the would say they're relegated match. if they lose yeah. if they can't get points out of. Let's say if they if they have twelve games, if they can't get points out of half of their remaining games, they're going down. Because I think Watford's capable of getting a couple points, and obviously Burnley. And we we just saw that Everton do play Burnley, um, but a lot yeah, of their game, their lot of their games are against top ten teams. So yeah, that's um, interesting there. But um, that's the way the scheduling went. It's rough. But yeah, we move on. Leeds two, Norwich one. Same thing as the first game they played against this year. Uh, Leeds were the victors then. Uh, and then in this one, dude, I mean, this game came to literally the last whistle of the game. Uh, Rodrigo, 14th minute, great goal for Leeds, gets the guys uh, off the mark. 14th minute early on, Jesse Marsh is happy. The fans are into it. It's at Ellen Road. Um, 
And then from there on out, it was just a very wide open game. Chances back and forth. Um, 12 shots for Norwich, 13 for Leeds, 4 on target for Norwich, 7 for Leeds on target. Possession pretty much down the middle, going a little bit in Leeds' favor, but this was a wide open game. It was interesting. This was like a, obviously it was a relegation battle game, but um, that 91st minute, Leeds are just trying to hold out. The momentum was in Norwich's favor towards the last closing minutes, but um, 91st minute, Kenny McLean assists from Pookie across the box. He just wanted it more than the defender. Uh, and then you you just thought Leeds spoiled the points, and they only get one, and now they're in a much tougher situation. But um, Joe Gelhard, the academy boy uh, from uh, the Liverpool area, 94th minute gets the winner, um, and the place goes absolutely nuts. I mean, huge moment for Marsh to get his first win um now one win out of three games um, the other two being defeats but this was a game that um could be the turning point for them to keep them up um they're four points clear of the drop but obviously Everton have the three in hand um so we'll, we'll wait to see there what they do with those those games but um what do you think about this game do you uh is this a thing that leads can build off of and can move forward because there are a couple games um, coming for them that are, are decent results for them coming up. This is definitely something they can build off of. And I was looking at the, the lineups and, and Leeds roster, and I think uh, Marsh has a solid group of players here, uh, all of which are versatile and can mold into his, his sort of style. So I definitely think this is something they can build upon and give everyone a big... Much needed morale boost, especially with a new manager coming in uh, this point in the season. Yeah, and we saw uh, Patrick Bamford get his first start in a long time, and he had some sort of effect but couldn't score. But um, and we see Calvin Phillips is going to be coming back after the international break. So um, after their game this Friday against Wolves, they'll have him back, who is an integral part to their team, and will make That's a fine. massive boost to them. So yeah, going forward, Leeds. Um, I don't think they're there yet. I don't think we could say this one result is going to be how they're going to play the rest of the year, but um, it's something that you could see that they fight until the very last minute of the game and never give up. So um, that's definitely something they can take from that. Uh, we move on to another relegation battle team who got a huge win um, and put them level with Everton. We mentioned earlier Watford 2-1 to one over Southampton, who have been going down in form. Cuco Hernandez gets a brace, his first goal. Um, probably the wonkiest goal I've seen this year. Just the, I don't know what it is. There's been so many goals and turnovers from back passing between center backs and goalies, like under hit passes uh, that lead to goals. Um, it's ridiculous that professionals can make this mistake, but that's what happened. The 14th minute, Cuco Hernandez gets a gift. 34th minute, he gets a cross in, whips it in, and uh, volleys at home. And then right before the half, Ellie Nussi gets a one back before the half, a uh, ball whipped in from Ward-Prowse. That's not at all by Che Adams. Um, and then from there, the second half, it was Watford park it in. Southampton pumble them with whipped in crosses and long shots, and they just play for the counter. And they could have made it three, but it wasn't meant to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, huge three points for Watford. This is what they needed. Um, Southampton not really playing for anything at this point, um, but just, um, I don't know, just pride really. Um, so yeah, I mean, what do you think about this with Watford? Similar situation with the game with Leeds, 
they get a huge three points that can help them dig out a little bit. Yeah, they're, all these relegation teams are building that momentum. So this tail end of the season, I think the, the relegation end is definitely going to be exciting to watch, with, especially if you're going to get results like this, close results that is. Yeah, and Watford have probably the easiest schedule when it comes to those bottom five teams. Um, when we look here, they, they play Liverpool next after the break, but after that it's Leeds, Brentford, um, and Burnley. I mean, a lot of games they can get points off of. So this is really going to test Roy Hodgson if, if him being appointed was the right move or um, if the old man was meant to stay retired. So we'll see, but this was huge for them. Move on, West Ham 2, Aston Villa 1. Aston Villa finally lose after a nice run of games, which saw them have three in a row. Uh, now they pick up an L. West Ham, my record, if you want to know, if you haven't heard, is the worst. When it comes to predicting, I have a record of 6-23 and 23 predicting West Ham games. Just to let you know, that's the worst. Did of... you get this one? Oh, no. I, I literally didn't pick. <laughs> Evan picked West Ham to win, and then I immediately said Villa. I said, really doesn't matter what I say. So I thought Aston Villa on form did, were decent, but winning four games in a row in this league is tough no matter who you are. Uh, but 70th minute, uh, Andre Yarmolenko, the Ukrainian, scores an emotional goal uh, at him after not playing four games in a row due to him um, just taking time off, uh, which is rightfully so. So he gets one off the mark. Pablo Fornals off a great counterattack for West Ham. Started from Rice, ball whipped in from Ben Rama. Excuse me. And then Fornals putting it away for the winner. And then uh, Jacob Ramsey in the 90th minute gets a consolation goal for Villa. But yeah, this was a really back and forth game open. Um, West Ham defensively haven't looked the same since last year. Um, they've given up quite a bit of goals, 36, uh, for where they are in the table. Um but they've lost nine games, so they're they're just not in the consistent form there. But uh, picking up a huge three points where they needed them here to keep them in the race for top four or even just top six at this point is what I would think David Moyes is looking for. But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you think about this West Ham team when it comes to them being uh, on their day? Uh, when they're playing great, they are... Uh definitely a sight to behold i mean this west ham villa matchup is pretty close on paper it's glad i'm glad to see it was uh close in reality um but yeah when they're on they're they're fun to watch they got a good variety of players in that squad yeah and we saw the return of leon bailey the jamaican international who they bought uh, speaking of villa from who they bought from leverkusen in bundesliga um he's been having a lot of injury issues and he comes back and makes sort of an impact here but um, the way their formation is now, they play more of a four-one-two-one-two narrow, so not much use of wingers. Um, Emi Buendia, kind of a flop this year. Uh, big summer signing from Norwich, about forty million pounds um, from the Championship. Had about nineteen assists. Um, he's been falling off the mark, but I think they've bought in somebody to take his place in Coutinho, who is much better and has much more experience in this league. Um, and it shows here. He had a couple chances to put one away, but it wasn't meant to be. Um, I guess, yeah, just a tough matchup for, for Villa to concede like that. Uh, nice emotional goal for Yarmolenko. The crowd was um, rightfully so cheering him extra loudly. Um, and you could tell in his reaction what it meant to him. So um, it was West Ham's day there. We move on to the last two games uh, as we are approaching the hour mark. 
um, right on the hour mark. Um, Arsenal 2, Leicester 0. Um, I think before we even get into this, Arsenal are playing in a way that we don't think Arsenal usually play. Like The consistency that they are on in their last what is that 11 games they have nine wins one draw and one defeat like that isn't something you say and then follow up with arsenal right or am i or am i crazy oh you're right that only that one defeat was a 2-1 loss to city yeah so respectable and, and they should have gotten some out of that game so um just like chelsea they're on a five game win streak um, big wins too against, like I mentioned, Wolves and now against Leicester here, who um, Evan mentioned last week is the team that they always take care of. Even when Leicester won the league, Arsenal didn't lose to them in that year, uh, getting a win and a draw, I think. But yeah, I mean, the the young attack of this team is insane. Um, Odegaard was putting on a show here. Saka, Martinelli had his moments. Lacazette, a facilitator, uh, finally gets a goal. Um he had a nine-game drought where nine-game streak where he didn't score, and now he scored um, off the penalty. Uh, Partey set it off in the eleventh off a corner kick, which is the kryptonite of Leicester City. They've conceded, I think, around sixteen goals from corner kicks this year, which is the most. But there wasn't any defensive mistakes or major errors from Arsenal like there was against Watford the previous game, which is where I said the. Um, and I had the thought process because I thought this game would be a draw. That's where my mind went. I thought there was going to be more defensive mistakes and Leicester could pounce on. But they were resting a couple of their big players here from a midweek game in the Conference League. Um, so no no, Ndidi or Vardy to start here, um, which really set them yeah, back. Those are, and those uh, are as, well as, as well as Yuri Tillemont. So their major players weren't in this game. So from the start, it wasn't looking good. But Arsenal, major three points. They are looking like the favorites to finish in the top four. Uh, potentially, they could finish above Chelsea, depending on if we even finish the season. So um, we might even have to forfeit points there. Who knows? So, um, But yeah, I mean, Arsenal, they come into a game now against Liverpool with um, a major tester to see if they are meant to be in the top four. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on about this game with Arsenal or Leicester? Now, Arsenal, I mean, uh, when when they're on and Arteta's vision is uh, fully realized, they are very exciting to watch. I love watching them mm-hmm. pass that ball around. It's a very vintage Arsenal style. Can't go wrong with it. Very beautiful-looking uh, football. Mm-hmm. And coming in at this Liverpool game, Arsenal-Liverpool games, at least in, in recent years, as far as I can remember, are always exciting. So yeah. it's going to be a good one. Yeah, and then um, Arteta has been the most consistent when it comes to picking his eleven. It's yep. uh, the eleven that was played here is pretty much the way it's been every week. Um, we do have Tommy Asu coming back from injury soon, so he'll probably be back after the international break. So he'll fill in there for Cedric, and then Smith Rowe can come in there for Martinelli if you want. So um, they have a solid thirteen man yeah, squad there. That they got they, options. Too. Yeah, and, and the guys off the bench are no slouch either. I mean, at uh, the beginning of the year when Jaka was having his problems and. Um, the African Cup of Nations was going on. We saw Sambi coming off the bench, who they, they brought in from the, the Belgian League. So um, we know they have quality there. So they're, they're looking in high form. Uh, and finally, we close against uh, we close on a game that is surprising. The, the only game that had no goals um, out of all the games we're covering, a nil-nil draw against Man City and Palace, where 
Man City just couldn't find it. They just couldn't find that goal to break through, and Pep didn't make any subs. There were no subs in this game when he has the likes of Raheem Sterling, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, Gabriel Jesus off the bench who could change the game. Um, it just they just couldn't find it there. And Crystal Palace joined Spurs as the only teams that uh, weren't defeated by Man City this year. Um, crazy. Spurs beat them twice, and now Palace uh, earned four points off Man City and might decide the title race in the end. But um, I don't know if I, I didn't I, I couldn't I didn't see all the highlights of the game. Um, was working the whole time, but just Crystal Palace found a way to hold it down. Really, I mean that's all you can really say is just you have to make it to the half, um, not conceding, and if you can nick one, good. But it just seems like that's how you beat City. Is just you have to make it through the first half, and then from there, um, you make a couple subs, and it just comes down to discipline in the back. I mean, um, what do you think about Man City not making any subs here? Do you think um, a manager can be more more um, scrutinized um, when it comes to the result if he didn't make any changes? Um, yeah, I mean, it shows how. Uh stubborn Pep is going into this game wanting his 11 to succeed and perform and they were they were held for it so no changes and he paid for it with that nil nil draw yeah I'll say Guaito was the man of the match I think he he had a it was just standing on his head for the most part and Crystal Palace only registered one shot on target so um they said 11th right now um their spot is 14th normally so I'm sure they'll creep down there uh, where Leicester and Newcastle kind of jumped them a bit. So, um, yeah, that covers the 14 games that we had to review at the hour and five-minute mark. So this part will be quicker with the seven games to predict. Evan, during the show, sent me his picks. So, um, oh, shit, I think he gave me even more picks than he should have. Let me just double-check here where... Um, last game should be Palace. Sunday. Spurs West Ham. I don't know why he has all these crazy things, but where where the hell does he see these games? Oh, those must be the the two being confirmed games. He's got the all right. We'll go game by game, and I'll I'll read them as I can, but um, and then I'll stop at a certain point. But yeah, starting on Wednesday. Starting on. Well, tomorrow we have a double tomorrow. header. Brighton hosting Spurs. I am going off the same mentality of the Liverpool game. Brighton are terrible at home. Um, I will pick Spurs to bounce one back. Evan said there is a method with Spurs. It's you go one and one. So they won one big one against Everton. Now they lost against United. I'm going to go another win against Brighton here. I think they bounce back and. Um, Get a nice big win. I'm going Spurs here as well. Okay, and then Evan is also going with Tottenham. Um, so we're going to go full sweep there. We move on to probably the biggest game of these seven. Um, we go Arsenal hosting Liverpool. Who do you think more has on the line here, Liverpool or Arsenal? Probably Liverpool since they're... They need to slam their foot on the gas and get that first place. I think Liverpool's got more on the line. Arsenal's got the games in hand as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Liverpool's got more to lose, so to speak. 
Yeah, and I mean, head-to-head, these guys recently, it's been um, the last three meetings, Liverpool win emphatically, uh, scoring at least three goals. Uh, Arsenal haven't beaten Liverpool um, since uh, July of 2020, getting a 2-1 win. So it's been it's been a sweep of Liverpool, not a lot of draws, but um, I'm going to have to continue with that. I think, I think this is Arsenal, when they play those top teams like City, Chelsea, and Liverpool, you see the difference in experience and the depth off the bench and the styles are so ingrained into the players that they're so focused and wired to play a certain way. So I think Liverpool get the win here. I can definitely see Arsenal get something, but I'm not going to be skewed by that. So I'm going to back Liverpool. I'm going Liverpool here. Okay. And then Evan's going to go with a draw. He sees Arsenal get something out of this game, which I could definitely see. Okay, we move on to the Thursday game, the lone game on Thursday, kicking off at 345. Everton, massive game, hosting Newcastle. Um, what are we thinking? Oh, well, you already said you think Newcastle's winning. I Is already there a certain reason why you think that? I'm, I'm going Newcastle here. I, I think they, their new signings, I think they have got more of a chip on their shoulder, I guess. I, I think they're going to come into this conf- with with some, some confidence. Okay. Yeah, um, Evans going with uh, Newcastle as well. Um, I think I, I honestly think Everton can get something out of it. It's, it's just whenever Everton play Newcastle, it seems like there's something off um, for Everton, especially with Pickford. Um, looking recently, the last two meetings, Everton have lost to to Newcastle. Um, Newcastle haven't won, or Everton haven't gotten a point since um what is that january 2020 so everton is a terrible matchup here for newcastle so i think i think it it continues here i think everton do lose so i'm gonna go with you guys with newcastle okay i don't know i i I really wanted to say you know what i'm gonna gonna stick with what i said i thought originally i'm gonna go with a draw i think everton gets something out of this i'm not gonna sway myself i'm gonna stick with my what my initial gut says i'm gonna go with the draw here Okay, we move on to Wolves hosting Leeds on Friday at 4 o'clock. What are we thinking, Zach? I am going to go with a high-scoring draw here. Okay. Um, We know Leeds concede a lot of goals, um, and Wolves are the opposite. They're pretty steady in the back. Um, These guys, back in October, drew 1-1. The stat's pretty... Uh, heavily in in Leeds' favor when it comes to possession. They dominated the ball and chances, but uh, this is different now. Um, Wolves are in that top six race, top four race, whatever you want to call it. Um, Evan is going with Wolves. What did you say? You're going with a high-scoring draw? I'm going with a draw here. Okay. Um, this is like... Um, I don't know. This seems like a Wolves that can drop points here. Um it's been up and down for them. So I think, I genuinely think, I want to take a chance on Leeds again, but I'm going to get bit in the butt here. So I'm going to agree with you. I think it ends in a draw. So we both say draw. Evan goes with Wolves. We move on to Aston Villa hosting Arsenal, the lone game on Saturday, an early one, 830. Um, What are we thinking here? This could be a toss-up, honestly. Yeah. But I think following the Liverpool game, regardless of the result, Arsenal will come into this 
and grab the W and go Arsenal here. Okay, Evan agrees with you. He's also going with Arsenal. I think they're going to have a really tough time dealing with Coutinho there in behind. Um, Definitely. I think this is where they start dropping points um, with those games in hand and start making it a really nail-biter till the end. So I'm going to go with Aston Villa in an upset. Which is I think whatever they grab from the Liverpool game will motivate them to win this. That's my mindset. Okay. All right. So um, you're both going Arsenal. I'm going with Villa. Uh, we move on to Leicester versus Brighton. Um, Brentford. Right off the rip. What, what's your, why is your gut say that? You said Brighton. I was correcting you. Leicester-Brentford. Oh, sorry. I do that sometimes. It's okay. Um, I think Brentford go on the road here and grab a draw. Leicester, how's how's their injury situ- situation looking? Leicester? Yeah. Um, still, um, they're saying Vardy will be out until post-international break, so they're going to go with Iheanacho or Daka front midfield's pretty clean. Um, no Evans, Castagna, or Bertrand, so it'll probably be Suyenchen and Amarty in the middle with a variation of Luke Thomas and Pereira out wide, or you could throw James Justin in there. So... Pretty shaky back line, if I, you ask me. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking draw here, either 0-0 or 1-1. Or I think set pieces are going to be huge here. I think Brentford, when it comes to Christian Eriksen delivering the ball, and is deadly. Um, so, yeah, I think Brentford can get something out of this. Their attack should be rejuvenated a bit after some rest with Tillemans and... Um, and Tony's hot. And Ndidi, yeah, Tony yeah, is in form right now. Uh, Evan is going with a Leicester win. Um, you're going with a draw. Um, I do think Brentford can, are going to get a goal here. I don't know if Leicester can pump a couple in, but um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I definitely don't think Brentford's going to win. Okay. Uh, I think I'm just going to go with Leicester to win. I think Leicester at home here get a big one. Fair. All right, and then the last game we're going to cover here that following game on the Sunday. At 12.30, Spurs hosting West Ham. Probably another bit. This is a huge match when it comes to the table. Uh, Them both competing for that top four, top six, whatever you want to call it. Um, How are we feeling about this one? Conti's going to want to score early and lock it down here, in my opinion. They're not going to want to give West Ham a shot to build up any sort of momentum. Now, whether they do or not, will have to be seen. I think that uh, I think Spurs pull this one out. Okay. Could be a close one to tell though. Yeah, Evan's going with a draw. Um, he thinks it's going to be a close one. I can definitely agree with him there. I think Kulusevsky has been a nice signing for them when it comes to counterattack. He's, he's pretty much being a facilitator for the most part and Injury-wise, um, Tottenham's pretty clean. Um, Jared Bowen's been out, so he'll be out for this game as well. Uh, it's going to be a tough loss for them on the attack, but we've seen them on the counter there performing well. Um, but this is a West Ham game, so it does not matter what I say. Um, <laughs> so Evan's going with a draw. What did you say you're going with? I'm going with Spurs here. Okay, I'm just going to be different and pick West Ham just so because mine's probably not going to hit, so at least one of you will hit. So I'm going to go with West Ham to get a big road win. Okay, 
So that concludes all the predictions. Seven quick games. I don't know why Evan gave me... He gave me, like... What is that? He gave me, like, 13 picks. Might have put in those to-be-confirmed games accidentally. I don't know. He looks... He doesn't look on the, the, the Premier League, like, fantasy app or website. Uh, he looks on something else. Alrighty. Well, nevertheless, we got them all. So, yeah. That concludes episode 124. We're at the hour and 16 mark. So, it's a longer episode for you. We touched on subjects, not strictly on the games. We talked about United more in depth, the Chelsea situation. Um, more of a breakdown, the relegation battle and mid-table and all that stuff. So... Give you a well-rounded episode, Zach. Thank you so much for filling in for Evan. Appreciate the picks. Um, Problem. Hopefully, get, get, hopefully get you on here um, again before the season ends, potentially. Probably the closing weeks in May, we'll get you on here after yeah. the conclusion of school. So that, that should be interesting. Um, other than that, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you check us out on social socials at Post20Pod. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, follow us on all of our streaming platforms in spotify soundcloud and apple podcasts um stay tuned for next week's uh, next week's episode where we review these games and go into an international break so we'll be on hibernation so it'll be a shorter episode for you guys um and yeah we're starting march madness this week make sure you guys fill out all your brackets and whatnot i haven't watched any sort of college basketball really so i know nothing i'll probably just fill out one for bullshit but yeah, it's it's a good time of the year. We have St. Patrick's coming up this Thursday. Uh, should be crazy. All wherever you guys are, uh, going out drinking, whatnot. Be safe. Um, and yeah, I guess other than that, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. Take have care. I am good one.